podcast the only english language podcast all about brazilian football uh i'm your fo- host peter joined as always by enric the other host um and we've got a great episode for you today we've got fifa u20 world cup disappointing result there we've got rusty the week nine uh in the books and then we've got the continental competitions libertadores and sudamericana uh so before we get into all of that Let's just say hi to Enric. Enric, how you going? How you feeling? Uh, we played soccer for around two hours last night. Um, I'm still dreadful, but uh, how are you feeling this morning? Hey, Peter. I'm feeling pretty good, a little tired, but it's okay. Uh, we get to do something fun at the end of every week. And now uh, so much action went on, as you mentioned, Copa Libertadores, Sudamericana, Brasileira, and the World Cup, which... As you said, was a disappointing result for us Brazilian fans. But either way, it was a nice week overall. Yeah, definitely. And lots of lots of action, especially in um, Brasil. Uh, but let's start with the U-20 World Cup. Um, as you can probably tell, um, as we're alluding to, Brazil do drop out of the tournament in the quarterfinals. Uh, a thrilling game. Uh, really nice game. But they do end up losing... Uh, three to two against Israel. I'm um, kind of surprising. I, 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 Israel, they've got you know a few good teams in their league, but uh, don't know many players. Um, but they they look to have uh, had themselves a, a pretty nice tournament um, thus far, and and beating Brazil uh, just the capstone there for them. Um, Marcus Leonardo finishes uh, five goals, um, so that's always nice to see. But Enric, um. I think you said you watched this one. Uh, do you think this was a fair result? Um, when you look before the game, you would expect Brazil to win this uh, easily. But as I was watching the match, I didn't see too much going on from a Brazil team. They created some chances and they weren't really decisive in front of goal. And that's why we see a 0-0 result in the first half. In the second one, though, we came out attacking even more. Marcos Leonardo scored. And just four minutes later, Kalaili for Israel equalized. And I wasn't really a fan of that because I thought at the moment, why didn't Israel score before? Or is it now that they concede that they want to keep it... uh, a 1-1 tie and then go to extra time and that's exactly what happened we go to extra time Mateus Nascimento the Botafogo player uh, makes it 2-1 for us two minutes later Shibley equalizes once more so that's another factor that you just tells you how Israel came into this match just to at least tie the game and if anything they can try and score and if not then they'll shoot uh, for penalty kicks but the number nine for Israel was crazy. His name is Turgeman. I was watching him. And the third goal, I don't know if you saw this, Peter. He got past some of our players and dribbled left, right, left, right two times. That even the Israel coach put his hands in his head that he was very surprised at what he saw. And 
I can guarantee you this guy is going to be one of the best number nines for Israel, or maybe we'll see him in Europe soon, uh, sort of like Zahavi, how he's yeah. been going from Feyenoord and other European clubs. But this guy was very good. After this, though, uh, there was so much action, even more. Uh, Israel was awarded a penalty kick. They shot it. The Brazil keeper saved it. Misael, I think is his name. And when he saved it, it got he uh, fouled the Israel player again. So there was another penalty awarded. So the second penalty gets shot and the Israel player shoots wide. So now Brazil has the chance to equalize 3-3 with like four minutes left of added time, but it still wasn't meant to be. And a very disappointing result to see us lose in the quarterfinals of this World Cup. I thought really we would at least be able to reach the final, if not the semifinals, and hopefully win it. But was not the case. Uh, Uruguay gets the job done in the semifinals, beats Israel 1-0. Uh, Italy does the same thing against South Korea, a one-goal margin. And the final is going to be taking place on June 11th. It's going to be a great game and hopefully the best wins. On the other side, uh, we mentioned about Marcos Leonardo scoring two against Israel. Casade for Italy also has seven goals, so he's top at the moment in the tournament. And I'm really like I really like to see that because uh, we're usually we usually know a lot of Brazilian players that play for the national team and then get to see him maybe five years later, ten years later in a big club. But now we also have a chance to know about Casade, and hopefully he's going to be playing uh, alongside the best teams in Italy, uh, Inter, Milan, Juve. Hopefully one of those soon. So it's going to be a great generation of players in the coming future. Yeah, Casabe has been by far and away, I think, the player of the tournament has really powered Italy to this this final. Um, it's going down uh, June 11th, which is tomorrow as we record this. Um, Uruguay and, um, and Italy, um, Israel and South Korea will uh, will battle for the third place. Um, also going down uh, June 11th. But yeah. Uh, disappointing from Brazil. Um, you would have thought they, on paper, certainly uh, were the better team. But uh, I have to look into that that Dor Terjman, uh player um, that uh, that you talked about. That is uh, that is such a great uh, striker for Israel. Uh, keep your eye on him because I'm sure he's destined for great things. Um, Brazil uh, again, disappointing. But when you look with all the the talent they have that sat out on the sidelines that weren't, weren't released from their club. Um, you know, they obviously could field a, a much better team uh, and you'd think best on best that they'd uh, perform a little bit, uh, a little bit more um, in a, against a team like, like, like Israel or any of the teams that are left in this competition, but um, good tournament. I would say from them, uh, some standout players and, and nice to see Mateus Nascimento, uh, getting on the score sheet as well. Um, because he's kind of been on the sidelines for, for Botafogo, but let's, uh, let's pivot to the rest of the route week nine. Um, lots of action, uh, surprising results, derbies. Um, uh, so let's start, uh, running through some of these results, uh, Fortaleza nil Bahia nil, um, some excitement in this one, but just nothing doing on the score sheet. Yeah. Uh, a lot of shots taken by both teams on target or on target. It was only two for each, but overall 11 for Fortaleza, seven for Bahia, 
possession almost similar so even the score line explains for itself 0-0 I think it's much deserved for both sides uh it was sad to see around the 50th minute mark I think uh the Fortaleza player clashing with the Bahia keeper and outside the box this happened and he was forced to go to the hospital I'm not sure which player exactly it was but hopefully he's okay and uh, hopefully he's going to be able to come back soon for the squad when it comes to Bahia. Other than that, uh, Cruzeiro lost 1-0 to Atletico Mineiro. The goal scored by Hulk was the only goal, although many te- uh, both teams had chances to score, incredible chances. But let's talk about that uh, Golasa from Hulk, Peter. What did you think of that? <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, I got shades of uh, Roberto Carlos uh, all those years ago. I mean... If you haven't seen the goal, go check it out, YouTube, Twitter, whatever. But this guy is like almost at the edge of the center circle, uh, taking a free kick and just a absolute rocket into the net. Um, So impressive. I mean, Hulk has been doing it all for them this season. He's been great alongside Paulinho. Uh, and a, a whole bunch of other players, but Zaracho and Pavon are, are both missing. We're missing from the squad. Um, uh, this game. So uh, some of their best players were out, but it, it just didn't matter. Gallo prevailed in, in the, in the big Minas Derby. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, the, the goal was absolutely incredible. And just the way he beat Rafael as well. Um, just, just, just incredible, incredible stuff. Yeah. And you compared it to the Roberto Carlos goal that he scored. Was it against France? And even Hulk had the same goal, I think, other than the shot was a little low and you could see it bouncing right before going in, bouncing on the ground and then uh, getting close to the post and scoring. But pretty close to that goal from Roberto Carlos, still really a nice goal and something that I haven't really seen from Brazilian players do recently. I was surprised I was watching the Brasileira play highlights. They were putting the top three goals of the match week nine and they put Hulk goal, I think, second. The first was the goal that uh, Ganso scored for Fluminense. We're going to talk about that soon, but I didn't see anything special on that. But <laughs> I thought that Hulk really deserves number one spot and I'm very surprised he didn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just when we're on, I meant to open this, uh, open with this in the show, but big shout out once again, Mauricio Destri and uh, Rodrigo Lazzarini. Um, both again with the shout outs uh, in uh, last week's match week um, a few times, I believe. So again, guys, if you're listening, I hope you are, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Mauricio, we've got to have you back on and Laza, we've got to have you on uh, at some point in the future. Uh, But um, yeah, crazy, crazy goal. No wins for Cruzeiro in the last three matches. Um, And, you know, even after conceding that one goal, they created a lot of, of chances, so I think uh, their turnaround on their papa is showing um, some signs of life, but uh, but they've still got more work to do. Sitting in a mid-table spot, actually directly in the middle of the table, 10th, uh, not too bad for the newly promoted. Uh, but let's um, move up the table. Top-tier clash here, Enric. Atharico Paranaense versus Botafogo, and the leaders lose just the second loss uh of the Brasileiro season although they've hit a little bit of bumpy form Atletico Paranaense's uh Ash Santana getting the goal assist by Vitoroque uh, any thoughts on this one 
Oh, that goal was also incredible. We talked yeah. about Hulk and Ganso, but I forgot about this goal. Uh, what a hit outside the box. Todd Benz, one of my favorite as well during this match week. And something that I saw coming, I think I said last week that since these two teams played against each other a lot recently, we saw a lot of goals, 3-2 on the first round, I believe, in the Copa do Brazil uh, yep. in favor of... Botafogo, I think, and then Tarico Paranense won one nil. They go to penalty kicks and were able to do the same. Or was it the opposite? But either way, the Atletico Paranense was able to advance. And I saw this coming. I thought that there won't be too many goals scored, and Atletico Paranense will have the advantage here. And they did. One nil was enough to get the job done. And Botafogo on the other side. Uh, as you said, getting the second loss. I don't think it's too bad in their side because this is uh, two games uh, away from home that they lost. Maybe their only regret would be that uh, scoreline against Goyas a couple weeks ago. But other than that, they need to look down uh, on the table because Palmeiras is right behind them, I think, two points away at the moment. So they're getting there. And if they want to win this title, they got to do much more and get the job done at home and also away from home if it's not a win and at least a draw. Yeah, I think, yeah, like, you know, they've hit a little bit of turbulence recently in terms of their form and they've got to stay focused because it's a long, long season. We're only in the opening stages and uh, that machine of Palmaris is just chugging along. Um, they're going to have to be a lot more consistent. This is a little more forgivable, I think, than uh, that uh, Goyas game. Uh, especially the goal, like you said, uh, Santana absolutely smacks it from outside the box. Gorgeous, gorgeous goal. And we seem to be getting two, three of these, you know, every match week, really impressive goals from far out. Um, just goes to show you the quality and the technique that is in Brazil. Uh, definitely not a farmer's league. Uh, just, just really nice stuff from them. Um, uh, you know, a pretty even game in terms of uh, the rest of the stats, but uh, but Atletico Paranaense they end up getting the getting the win. Um, and Botafogo, you know, maybe they don't kick themselves uh, too hard because of the quality of their competitor in this one. But all six teams below them ended up getting the the wins uh, in this match week. So again, like we've been saying, we you got to keep the the points coming if if you want to stay top. Um, all right. So, Enric, did you see this one coming? American Monero 2, Corinthians nil. Uh, stayed nil-nil till late. But, man, Corinthians are in some trouble. Just when you think they're about to break out and away from the uh, the relegation zone, they can't quite get away. I did not believe this would happen, Peter, especially after looking at Corinthians recently uh, winning in Copa do Brasil against Terco Mineiro. I think they won against Fluminense 2-0 uh, last week. So it's been a good run from them, and I thought that this would be Corinthians coming back. But to lose against America Mineiro, of course, they were playing away from home, but America is nowhere near where they should be this season. And many teams are profiting from them. And now Corinthians doesn't get a result. Uh, it's Danilo Avelar who gets a first for America in a penalty kick. Uh, sort of like what Aloisio is used to do uh, when scoring <laughs> all these pens. And then Renato Marquez uh, ends it with a 2-0 victory in the 87th. But uh, I don't know if you saw this, Peter. Uh, there was a penalty taken by uh, Corinthians 
after the 2-0, I think maybe in the added time, and guess who shot it? It's not Roger Getz, it's not Yuri Alberto, it's Fabio Santos, the defender. And he skies it, or either he skies it or hits a crossbar, one of those. Not too sure which one was uh which one exactly happened, but very surprised to see uh a defender shoot the penalty gig and then fail to score because if he had scored then uh with the six or seven minutes at a time uh Corinthians would have had more than enough to even equalize. But I don't know why this was the case and Corinthians have not been doing good this season and they continue to uh, embarrass, as you said, and hopefully they're going to be able to turn the tables uh, on the other side when they play in the new Kimika arena. So we'll have to wait and see how they do next, but this is not a result that you want to make the fans happy. uh, Even when you play away from home. Yeah. And people are panicking. Our, our, Our buddy Fabian from Corinthians in English, um, was very upset um and we'll talk about libertadores as well uh but he's you know been in a bad mood all season it seems and just like you said or i said you think they get the two wins last week before that you had to go back to april 16th uh for a corinthians win uh they got two last week in Brasileiro and copa de brazil and pens against gallo very good gallo team um and then they come and show up and do this and we'll get to the midweek fixture, but I mean, that's bad as well. Um, but apparently, you know, the board is, uh, backing Vanderlei, um, and they're, they're looking to, um, use this upcoming off week, uh, to, uh, to kind of refresh the squad and, and hopefully reorganize, uh, Vanderlei, 11 games, two wins, three draws and six defeats. Um, not, great stats there but they're they're hoping it and um to to turn it around the board apparently has confidence in him so we'll have to see where that goes and um really quick on the Fabio Santos penalty yeah that was really surprising especially with Roger Gads on the pitch um obviously not feeling confident uh, not sure why but they also brought on um the kid uh the young kid Pedro uh to replace Yuri um and Yuri I get you know low on confidence maybe not uh, but you know a goal might do him well um but I I would have had him take it you know if if Roger Getz didn't want to do it so kind of interesting I wonder what the thought thought process was there I wonder if Fabio Santos was like you know I, I feel confident let me let me get up after it but uh either way I think they would have lost even if they slotted that one home I think uh Roger Getz would have been the main uh player to shoot it uh Yuri as bad as he's been, he's also missed the penalty kick when they played uh, Galos uh, in the Copa de Brazil. So maybe he was the one who said, hey, I don't want to be taking this penalty and embarrass myself even more. He wasn't confident, which I agree with, but very surprised to see a defender. Like, why not Paulinho or another midfielder? They have Renato Augusto as well, right, uh, in the team. So he could have, or is he in the, in the Corinthians team right now? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, he was out there. He was out there. Okay. Okay, so yeah, he could have taken that penalty too and maybe scored, but uh, a defender coming out and a defender who we don't even see often scoring, which very surprising. And as I said, uh, a really bad result and hopefully they can turn things uh, on the other side soon. Yeah, and a, a team that's kind of, uh, again, had a bumpy road recently that has hopefully turned it around here is Fluminense. Uh, 2-1 over Rubble Bragancino. Um, 
Blue desperately needed the win. Um, and they were not looking good in the past uh, few match weeks. Just a string of losses. Um, and uh, they finally get the win. Uh, deserved. Uh, you had the great Gonzo goal that we talked about that maybe we thought eh, maybe didn't stand up to the other few goals that we saw. But uh, Felipe Melo as well, um, poking in a goal uh, before halftime. Um, and despite these three losses um, uh, in the breast of the route, there's only they're only off three points from uh, from Palmeiras, second place Palmeiras. So just goes to show you how bunched up it is uh, in the table and how quickly a team can move up or down, uh, depending on if they get all three points. Yeah, that's because many teams mess up and uh, let's say there's 10 weeks that have gone by. So every team or the teams have the potential to have 30 points in fact, but they don't. They probably have 18, 20. So they're averaging around 1.8 to two points per game and makes things pretty tight. And the difference between maybe the 16th spot and a third spot is like four points, five points, not too big. And I even think about this. Uh, we played Rebel Bragantino last week and Internacional, which we'll be talking about in a second. If we manage to win both of those, Santos won't be where they are right now. I think 11 or 12, they would be third spot or second spot. And it's just crazy to even think about that two games alone could turn things uh, completely in the other direction. And for the positive side of Santos but uh, this is good to see in the Brazil league uh, so many teams fluctuating up and down many times and hopefully um, we're going to be able to see Santos way up the table in the future but as you said Fluminense got the job done um, this was their first victory since May 13th so they've been going probably in a month uh, time without a win and it's very good to see him come back. And hopefully they're going to be able to challenge both Flamengo, uh, Palmeiras, and also Botafogo for the league. And it's going to be a great tournament for all these teams. Yeah. And segueing to a team that is not going up and down and doesn't seem to look like they have anything but just a relentless will to win. Palmeiras 3, Coritiba 1. Um Palmeiras undefeated, pretty standard issue. Palmeiras win three one here. Uh, Roni two goals. Your boy Artur chipping in as well. His fourth of the season already. Really good signing from Red Bull Bragantino. I mean, we talk about the machine that is Palmeiras. They are so consistent, and that's why I think that you know they have the best chance to win. Uh, not only because of their roster build, but uh, just because of their consistency. You saw Botafogo drop points. You saw Fluminense up and down. You saw um, Atletico Barnaense, same thing. Galo, same thing. Palmeiras don't do that. They're consistent. They win. They draw. They accumulate points. And um, I think uh, they stand the best chance uh, at winning. And especially when they play in their home stadium, uh, Palmeiras is a very dangerous team and a side that you can beat easily and even get a draw. So by this win, uh, they're only two points away from league leaders and Palmeiras uh, ending their winless run after three consecutive ties. Uh, it's pretty good to see uh, Artur get in the score sheet. Aleph Manga scored for Kroichiba as well in the dying minutes. Uh, but it's I'm happy to see Roni score not only one, but two goals. He is, at the moment, my 
top three favorite players in the Brasilia Raw. I think number three would be Gabigol, number two, Pedro, and then Roni deserves number one just because how energetic he is when uh, shooting and trying to score. He's always running and chasing the ball with all his power, doing his ac acrobatic uh, hits and celebration is just wonderful to see, even when coming from a side that we don't really like as Santa supporters. Palmeiras is not a team that uh, we admire, but either way, uh, they have been doing very good this season, as you said. No losses yet, and let's see how much that's going to continue to be. Or will they get an embarrassment by, let's say, Cuiabá or another side soon? Yeah, I wouldn't put my money on that. But um, yeah, Palmer is so good. Corchiva, the exact opposite. Um, no wins yet for Corchiva, just the three points all from draws and a negative 12 uh, goal difference, the worst in the division. Uh, pretty safe to say, I think, are. Uh, uh, they'll be going down um, despite Aleph Manga's best uh, best attempts at saving them. Uh, Goyas and Cuiabá. Uh, Cuiabá getting the win away from home. Uh, Daverson, the lone goal. Um, he continues to drag them to some good results. Uh, three games undefeated for Cuiabá, so quietly kind of in that lower mid-table um, and, uh, Daverson, uh, only a second in the breast of the route, but, um, he's chipped in some assists. He's looked good. He's a leader. And I, I really think he's the heartbeat of this team. And, and the reason why, um, I think so far in this season, I think Cuiabá fans and, and the board will be probably pretty, uh, happy with, uh, where they sit. And the thing is about Daverson, usually he scores, he's just telling the uh, side that he's playing against and also his own team like hey this is the only goal of the match and just like it happened against Cruzeiro uh, they won 1-0 away from home which w was very surprising and this one has to be surprising as well I thought Goyas would be much better especially when winning against Botafogo, uh, Botafogo in their home stadium a couple weeks ago I thought that at least they get a 1-1 or a 0-0 draw if not the win here but this was not the case. Uh, Daverson had other plans and gives Cuiabá um, the third consecutive match without being defeated. So going pretty good for Cuiabá. And uh, when it comes to this team, I'm a little bit scared uh, when it comes to Santos um, because even last year we weren't able to beat them. I think we drew uh, both of their matches, if not losing one of them. But I thought that since they came from Serie B, this would be uh, an easy run for uh, the Villa Belamuro players. But this was not the case. And hopefully Cuiabá uh, turns up to be much weaker when we play them in the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, perfect. Again, perfect segue. This episode is just running. I love it. Uh, Santos won, Internacional won. Marcos Leonardo still at this point was on uh, Salasau U20 duty. Um, so David Washington back at that striker position. But other than that, team is getting back to full strength. And it's always nice to see a Menino de Villa come back uh, with another team. Alan Patriki, uh, Santos um, Academy grad and part of that uh, area or um era of uh what some would call the second santastico in the kind of the turn of the decade 2010 2009 to uh to like 2013 2014 so uh nice to see him back at the villa belmiro 
but it didn't start well at all, Enric. Uh, Luis Adriano putting a- any any doubts and, and making uh, all Santos supporters uh, really swallow pretty hard uh, as he uh, got Inter off to a great start. Yeah, the game did not start good at all for us. Uh, third minute, there was a corner taken. Ball was cleared away by Santos players. And everyone was moving forward, like maybe shifting from defense to attack. And somehow one of the Inter players passes this to Luis Adriano, who uh, saw himself free. He stopped it and scored. And yeah, it was a close call. I thought that this should have been offside. And not because of Luis Adriano, but another player was offside on the play. So... That forced our defender, Joaquim, to maybe make a run or think that, oh, the ball's probably going to get to this other guy. So I don't know why VAR didn't uh, intervene. They intervened, but they didn't uh, call this offside. And I completely disagree with their decision. But after that, uh, Santos uh, tried to come back in the 10th minute. There was a foul called in favor of Santos at the end of, at the edge of the box. Lucas Lima scored from a set piece and... International continued to dominate throughout the first half until Santos finally recovered possession at the end of the half and uh, in the fourth minute of at a time in the first half, Sotelo's free kick uh, ends up forcing Kaler to make a save. So it just explains to you how Santos played in this first half. Not too much uh, action, not too many chances created. The only ones coming from set pieces and one of them were very lucky to have scored with Lucas Lima. Uh, and it was an incredible goal, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, just a couple of quick comments there. Uh, Lucas Lima, remember, this is it just seems like a lifetime ago where he was hated. His signing was viewed as a betrayal. Um, and he was on like, what, a three-month contract, something like that, until the end of the Paulista. Um, and now look, I mean, he's one of the most crucial players in the team. Um, playing in that uh, central attacking midfield spot, scoring goals, creating assists, creating chances. Um, and he is just so crucial um, and great goal from him. Relying on him um, has been uh, a little bit scary at times, but um, it's uh, it's it's great to see him performing. Um, also wanted to say, you mentioned Soteldo's free kick. We'll bring him up in a little bit here again, but Soteldo, getting back to his best, his best form. He's never been, you know, a player that's going to score in every game or assist in every game, but he's always just so good. So threatening driving offense. Um, and I think he was back to, or getting back to his best um, on, upon his return um, from injury and, and to the club. Uh, I just wonder, I, I'm worried about his future right now. The club Santos are negotiating with Tigres, who obviously own the player. He's here on uh, on loan in Brazil, uh, but um, they've got to get something done. I believe by June thirtieth, uh, the plan has been to purchase the player. I don't know if Tigres are upping the price now, or um, you know if the financial stability of the club is creating some issues with um, the purchase price that was agreed to, maybe verbally, but. There's a little bit back and forth between Tigres and Santos. I'm confident we can get it done. Tigres don't really have a lot of use for the player. Um, and uh, he's most comfortable, obviously, in Santos. So I'm I'm optimistic, but uh, a little bit of uh, of drama there going on behind the scenes, but certainly not uh, not impacting his uh, his performance on the field. 
Yeah, and hopefully Sataldo continues to stay here. I think he's very happy. And unless there's a big money move coming from an MLS side or other European clubs, I think he's definitely going to stay. And it doesn't matter if he starts all the matches or not, but uh, Sotaldo is really a player that he's seen from the Santos supporters that we want him here. So uh, let's get back to the intermatch against Santos. The second half was very different uh, when it comes to scoring opportunities. In the 56th minute, Mazenga's back heel ended up wide from goal. And the 63rd, Dodgy also missed a big chance uh, after Sotaldo and Natan combined well on the right. And the thing is, uh, with all these chances, uh, every time Inter gave the ball away, our players selfishly aimed to score from far range, and it's definitely something that I don't like. I want to see players passing and then getting into the attack, and when they see themselves ahead um, in front of the keeper, then they can probably shoot. But when you take shots like halfway from the field and hope to score that's never gonna happen maybe one time out of a hundred but definitely something that santos needs to improve on if they want to win matches yeah i think they were watching too many uh too many hulk highlights or alex santana <laughs> from earlier uh they really thought that they uh they could do the same thing but uh not not to be yeah um looking at some of the stats this is from sofa score um not a lot of uh high danger chances um not a lot of big chances missed uh santos with two enter with nil none excuse me um so two teams that kind of struggle to create super dangerous chances uh, we've talked about that with inter before and uh enrica i think you and i have lamented about that with santos very often so uh not really a surprise there honestly more surprising that each team did actually find the net uh but a point apiece not great for either team but I think uh, much better um, than uh, than a loss for Santos, certainly. Um, all right, let's talk about Gremio. But let's, uh, both teams, Santos and Inter, their rivals played. Gremio and Sao Paulo clashed in uh, Porto Alegre. And Gremio coming away with the win despite going down early 2-1 over Sao Paulo. Uh, and um, Taleri got the game off to a great start for the uh, Tricolor Immortal. Or excuse me, not the... <laughs> Tricolor Paulista. Yeah, in the 15th minute, uh, there was a long ball from Caio Paulista to Caleri, who heads it in. Gabriel Grando went chasing it, but unfortunately, uh, it was a goal scored by Sao Paulo. And I thought that Sao Paulo would continue their run that they've been having, uh, especially since Dorival Jr. has uh, come to the club. But Grêmio definitely coming back after that goal. Yeah, just really quick, I just want to emphasize how sweet and satisfying that ball from Caio Paulista was. Just just one of those things that just it just feels so good. Whatever the serotonin that is going on in my head that when I see that, uh whatever it's just it's just so satisfying to see that play. Very nice finish and, and great ball from Caio Paulista. Yeah, and uh, Luis Suarez almost tried the same thing as Caio Paulista just two minutes later, but the ball was cleared by Rafael, and Gremio continued their trying to f score a goal and equalize. Uh, was not the case in the 23rd minute. Uh, Ray Ramos had a thunder strike saved by uh, Grando, the Gremio keeper, but in the 31st, finally the equalizer came uh, by Cristaldo. 
after taking a strong shot and making it 1-1 from the for the home side. And in the 39th, Luis Suarez uh, gave a great ball to Reynaldo, who goes for the power as the ball is shot low. And the ball gets through Rafael, who was very unlucky uh, to concede that goal, which made it 2-1 for Gremio. Uh, in the 56, uh, Rodrigo uh, from Sao Paulo missed a wonderful chance to make it 2-2 as the ball struck the crossbar. In the second half, both teams had their chances and the goalies did what they needed to do, especially Rafael. Uh, the 91st minute, Luciano uh, could have gotten the third goal after his shot went diagonally wide and was not tapped in by neither of his teammates. And in the 95th, Lucas Beraldo also tried his luck, but it was not enough to beat uh, Grando for the equalizer to make it 2-2. So a great match by both teams uh, producing goals, but a 2-1 uh, victory for Gremio in the first half happened to be the final result of this game, Peter. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Reynaldo, uh, player once linked, I think, uh, with Santos um, and uh, laid uh, the law of the ex-player. Um, Reynaldo, of course, playing for Sao Paulo, uh, he is a midfielder and, um, and, and getting the goal there, um, a little bit unlucky as it, as it squeaked by, as you, as you, uh, as you mentioned, uh, also on the, on the Rodrigo goal or excuse me, the Rodrigo chance, um, Michel Arujo, uh, found him, uh, with a great, great pass, both, um, Academy players. Um, so the future looking bright for, um, uh, the tricolor, uh, Paulista, um, but you're right. The Tricolor Immortal Gremio uh, did um, end up uh, maintaining that two-one scoreline uh, as they as they take all three points at home. Uh, Sao Paulo a little stutter step there, uh, but they continue to uh, to be in that top ten, uh, sitting in eighth place. And again, it's so tight. Uh, so many places around the table uh, they could easily move up into that uh, that top four um with with a win and some uh lucky results going the other way um all right last match of the uh match week in the brasileirao vasco da gama versus flamengo the derby of the millions huge derby in rio de janeiro vasco desperately needing something anything uh from from this one flamengo looking to get back into that top fight uh for the brasileirao title and wow, no doubt in this one, Flamengo for Vasco won. Yeah, very surprising result. Uh, as you said, the Derby of Millions, uh, 343 matches between these two teams, uh, 135 wins for Flamengo, 105 for Vasco and 103 ties. And coming into this game, I thought that Vasco would at least be able to equalize given their recent opportunities or performances. I thought that maybe a game against Flamengo would wake them up and uh, finally get where they need to be, but it was not the case. And I was very surprised to see this match being played in Maracanã. I don't know why this was happening, Peter, but I thought that playing a game there would give uh, Flamengo the advantage. And I don't know why he wasn't played in Vasco Stadium. Yeah, I, well, I think the for the derbies, I think they always use Maracanã to, uh, to host um Sao Gennaro, I think just maybe is a little bit too small um and with the all the expected fans um I think that's why they ended up in the in the Maracana. but uh it did seem like despite Vasco being um 
the uh, the home team um, that uh, a lot of Flamengo fans uh, in the crowd from what I saw. Yeah, a lot of Flamengo fans. And also uh, we saw Vinny Jr. at the end of the first half. Uh, he yes. came in, showed love to both teams, Flamengo and Vasco. Yes. All jerseys. So it was very good to see him uh, there in the stadium. Yeah, and this guy, man, he's he's really enjoying his time off. He uh, he was in Rio uh, last weekend, and just uh, just the other day, I think it was maybe last night, Friday, uh, yeah. Thursday night. Yeah, he was a uh, he was courtside in Miami uh, watching um, Santos fan uh, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Buckets, uh, and the Heat playing the NBA Finals, sitting next to none other than Menino de Villa and Santos icon Neymar Jr. So. Uh, Vinny Jr. Uh, going all across uh, the, uh, the Western Hemisphere and taking in lots of great action. Yeah, definitely. And if he was still playing in the European League uh, when it comes to like finals and especially the Champions League final, uh, I think he would definitely have other plans. But uh, this is not it. Uh, Real Madrid uh, lost early and that's why he's now enjoying his time in Brazil and whenever, whatever he can do to make himself happy. But other than that, um, Vasco in this match lacking rhythm in the first half. Flamengo the better side, controlling the ball and going forward. And in the 14th minute, Eric Pulgar, what a hit, man. That goal, they made it 1-0. Uh, I did not see it coming. Top bends and a really, really great goal. And we've seen so many great goals in this match week. And this was also one of them. Vasco was completely frozen after the first goal. The defense was clueless. And Flamengo profited from that. Uh, Gerson came out of nowhere unmarked and heads it in for the second to make it 2-0. In the 29th minute, uh, Vasco's first dangerous attack uh, and Pedro Raul hit the post. Uh, and on the other side, a minute later, Arascaeta throws a rocket towards uh, Leo Jardim. He hits a crossbar and it goes back to the match when they played in Campeonato Carioca. I think the exact thing uh, happened. Uh, Pedro Raul hit the crossbar and then Arascaeta scored that banger uh, that, that went from the crossbar and went in. So pretty similar chances there. But after that, the, in the 41st minute, uh, Mateus Franca found Ayrton Lucas in a perfect position who shot with his right and scores the third. And I'm very happy to see him getting the score sheet because, as we said, he is a player that's getting called up by the Brazil national team. So if he manages to do that with Flamengo, hopefully he can do that with the Seleção. Uh, still in the first half, there was time for another goal. Surprising again. Uh, Gerson turns around the Vasco set piece, uh, passes with a long ball to Ayrton Lucas, who... Uh, flies through the opponent's half, gets past Leo Jardim and scores the fourth. Absolutely incredible, Peter. 4-0 at halftime. I definitely did not see this coming. Even if you ask me a 2-0 for Flamengo, I would say, no, that's not going to happen. But four? Like, come on. That shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, our buddy Owen, um, uh, Owen Sullivan, uh, would, would definitely allow that and was probably anticipating this result. But... Uh, but yeah, I mean, just just incredible first half performance. I think they they took their their foot off the gas after that. But that that fourth goal, Ayrton Lucas, I've said it for a long time, um, and just not to pat myself on the back, even though I am um, uh, big big fan of his, and he just shows he's so good on both sides of the ball, and he's always thinking 
uh, attack a fence um, and uh, getting forward. Um, really, really awesome player. Um, so happy he's in the South Island. I hope he uh, scores or contributes uh, to um, to the Brazilian team, the national team, uh, in their in their upcoming friendlies. Um, but yeah, that second goal, especially uh, lightning fast, living up to his uh, his namesake Ayrton Senna. Um, so uh, awesome to see and um, people, Flamengo fans, just going crazy. Great, great player. Uh, very envious. Uh, but Vasco would get a uh, consolation goal late in the uh, or early, excuse me, early in the first half or second half. Oh, can't speak. Yeah, Vasco was awarded a penalty kick after Herson uh, brought uh, a player, a Vasco player, down in the box. So 55th minute, it's Jair who takes it. And I was surprised not to see Pedro Raul do that. Maybe he didn't have the motivation, like Yuri Alberto for Corinthians to do it, but. I was very surprised to see Jair uh, shoot that and also scored. So good for them. At least they got a goal back. But 4-1 is definitely a result that as a Vasco supporter, when you're on the home side on paper, you don't want to see that happening. And Flamengo on the other side, great, great result for them. Uh, 4-1 win in the derby is going to motivate them a lot when it comes to future matches. Yeah, definitely. And and you mentioned... Pedro Raul's name a few times, just two goals in his eight matches in the Brasileirao, uh, another in Copa do Brasil, um, had way more, six or seven in Campeonato Carioca. So um, kind of a disappointing start for the season. He was so good with Goiás last year. Uh, we know he can do it, uh, but just look, just maybe just not, you know, confident, not sure what's going on with him. Uh but uh, but it, it, it's it's really unfortunate the his dip in form and it's really coincided with a really horrible dip in form for Vasco, who I think we both thought would be much better than they've been uh, been performing. Um, of course, Andre Santos, big part of their midfield away on national team duty as uh, as requested by Chelsea, the the, the club that owns him. Uh, but not looking good for Pedro Raul and Vasco. They've got to turn it around uh, and quickly. Yeah, and things are, haven't been going good for Pedro Raul. As you said, not too many goals scored since coming in and playing for Vasco. Completely different uh, to what he did in Campeonato Carioca, where he was scoring at least one goal every game, if not every other match. So... Uh, even the Vasco supporters, I think, now are turning up against him because this is not something that they expected when they got them got him from Goyas. But another man we have to mention, other than the player, is the coach, Peter, Mauricio Barbieri. Will we see the end of him uh, soon? Yeah, this is a really interesting question. I think you your knee-jerk reaction, a coach that's performing like this in Brazil, you would think he's got to be on his way out. Absolutely. Um, and I was doing a little poking around, um, the fans obviously are not happy, but it seems to me that most of the internal strife in the club is, is, uh, is coming, uh, from, you know, the administration, a lot of jobs are on the line and, and the board and the administrators uh, are looking at everything. A lot of anger against the SAF, uh, uh, partner, the 777, uh, partners, which, uh, also owns Sevilla, Standard of the Asian, Belgium, and Genoa in um, in Italy, uh, amongst other clubs, 
Uh, and the fans are really starting to go against them. According to the Globo, um, they're, they're, they're really, uh, mad, uh, because of a lot of information that's been coming out. Uh, but apparently the players are very confident and comfortable with, uh, Barbieri. They like working with him and they're, they're confident that it'll eventually work out. Um, I guess some of the information that's come out seven, 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 triple seven, not sure how you, uh, um, you kind of uh, call this this company 777 Partners vetoed a lot of players that were more experienced but older uh, that the 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 club wanted, and, and now I uh, the players in Barbieri have come out and said, uh, you know, some of the inexperience and the weak psychology of these players um, are uh, some some uh, affecting the team and this form. Um, so. Uh, kind of interesting little uh, uh, bits of information there. Um, so like Corinthians, they're looking forward to uh, readjusting with this upcoming week off. And uh, apparently they might be looking to add a few more experienced players uh, the next time they get the chance. So uh, for now, it does look like surprisingly um, Barbieri is uh, firmly entrenched, but this is Brazil after all. And uh Anything can happen, especially when it comes to uh, firing a manager. Yeah, and again, when it comes to Mauricio, we have to compare uh, his season last year with Rebel Bragantino and also Vasco since he joined. And this 4-1 loss against Flamengo is his deepest loss as a Vasco coach. Uh, three goals uh, difference. And other than that, we didn't see that before. Uh, the only... Two goal difference that they had was against Flamengo in Campeonato Carioca a couple of months ago. And the same thing happened during the last two match weeks against Sao Paulo and Fortaleza when they lost by two goals. So something that hasn't happened in the past for Mauricio. And comparing that to his time with Rabel Bagancino, he also, his biggest loss uh, was against Flamengo as well. 4-1 when they lost again uh, away from home and another loss that they got against America Mineiro 4-1 before he getting sacked after losing 6-0 uh, to Fortaleza. So uh, again, comparing these two times with each other, as a Vasco coach, he he's only gotten one win from, I don't know, maybe 10 matches and comparing it to Robert Bragancino, he had three wins back then. So, uh, Rebel Bragancino's time was even better than what he's currently experiences uh, as a Carioca coach. But I don't know, maybe they're giving him one more chance. And depending on the next match will be, which happens to come against Atletico Mineiro away from home, that's going to be a tough, tough match. I think the game is going to be played today, by the way. And maybe that's going to be the end of Mauricio if he doesn't manage to get a winning result or even a draw in this game. Yeah, it'll it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. So uh, Vasco, then they are sitting all the way down in 19th place, only six points. Um, the rest of the table, Botafogo, Palmeiras, one and two. Um, uh a, a bunch of teams there: Flamengo, Grêmio, Galo, Fluminense, um, Atlético, and Sao Paulo. All uh, kind of in that top eight. Santos uh, sitting in twelfth, alongside Red Bull Bragantino in eleventh, um, and Corinthians, the kind of the last club that uh, um, is in a spot you might not expect it to be. Sixteenth uh, place. 
so just hovering against the uh, the drop zone, um, and uh, it's it's not looking great for them. Uh, but at least they are out of that relegation zone. Enric, any thoughts on the table before we uh, hop on to the continental competitions? Well, looking at the big clubs, I think it's pretty much expected. The top eight, uh, the teams that we normally saw being there. So one through eight spot, as you mentioned, all the names are pretty much where they wanted to be. And it's not bad, but Santos and Internacional... Uh, not doing too good. Uh, they would prefer to be maybe in the number nine or number 10 spot, if not even higher. Corinthians 16th, uh, just away from relegation. So again, not looking good for them. And as well, Vasco da Gama, uh, their loss against Flamengo means that they're now uh, three points away from last place Coritiba. And depend looking at how they started this uh, tournament, this league, I thought that they would be in a much better position at this moment compared to what they're currently in. But um, it's now time to look forward, maybe get some winning results in the future. And now, Peter, it's uh, Copa Libertadores time, uh, round five. Uh, let's go through these matches that happened during midweek. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we've got the Champions League final in 40 minutes, so let's let's uh, up the pace here. Um, a lot of results, I think, that you would probably expect. Atletico Parnaense getting the win, Gallo getting the win. Inter um, drawing with Nacional uh, of Uruguay, but I really want to zero in on a few matches that uh, I have some thoughts on. Independiente de Valle, uh, Ecuadorians beating up on Corinthians 3-0. Um, way back last year, we had Martin Benitez on uh, one of our first interviews. Uh, he runs the Warriors of Ecuador um, page and uh, training uh in in quito ecuador uh told us watch out for junior sornoza uh and who gets the third goal sornoza of course corinthians following up their disappointing loss of the weekend with another loss to idv of ecuador uh really poor from them uh it does look like they are eliminated from copa libertadores they'll have to fight with liverpool of uruguay to uh to um to drop down into Copa Sudamericana, um, but uh, pretty disappointing from them. Yeah, and, and a result that we definitely did not see coming. I think this was after the America match, and we thought that Corinthians would come back and maybe get a draw here, if not even the win, because they needed that so much you know, to be able to survive and advance to round of 16 Copa Libertadores, but they're still going to advance to round of 16, but Copa Sudamericana, so not too bad for them. I also wanted to go through other Brazilian teams, Atletico Paranaense and Atletico Mineiro, both winning 1-0 against their respective opponents, which means that they're now almost qualified. Well, Atletico Paranaense is qualified for the round of 16. Uh, Mineiro, three points away from Libertad, so maybe a draw in the next match uh, will get the job done. Internacional uh, sitting second in Group B uh, after tying 1-1 with Nacional. Uh, goal coming again from Alan Patricki as he did against Santos means that they're now uh, sitting with nine points, one point behind Independiente with 10 and also one point uh, more than Nacional with eight. So that last round that's going to be coming in for these teams is going to be decisive if Internacional wants to advance to the Copa Libertadores round of 16. 
Group D, Peter, uh, River Plate uh, winning 2-0 against Fluminense. I think this was pretty much expected given that Fluminense's poor run recently and their inability to win matches, especially the last two in uh, Copa Libertadores and River Plate definitely needed this win because they were sitting last uh, with four points. And this win now means that River is going to be having seven. But Fluminense still... Uh, needs to play that last game maybe a draw will get the job done to qualify for the next stage but uh did you see this coming peter uh, a 2-0 loss against the argentinians yeah i mean it's hard to say fluminense they've been so good you've seen them at their best um and what a contrast by the way compared to the first game against river uh where i think it was what far 5-1 4-1 something like that um and everyone was just drooling over Denise and Fluminense saying, this is the way you play football. This team is so good. And uh, look, they were in that day. They were incredible, but just night and day uh, when compared to uh, this Fluminense that showed up, um, you know, even in the possession, um, I think actually that game, they may not have been controlling possession. I can't remember now, but just barely it's more or less even in possession, but, shots and chances dominated by uh and really everything dominated by river um and denise really in some bad form with flu um i i don't know where the magic has gone i don't know if they're too predictable i think one win from their last seven in all competitions uh just night and day so it's it's really hard to say that you know if i expected this because you never know what the results going to be when flu show up they could dominate the game like they did last time or they could put out a performance like this um so it's it's really hard to say i think they may have relaxed a little bit uh in you know um simultaneously with this drop in form because they are top of the table and they are i think um going through guaranteed now so uh or maybe not actually maybe not guaranteed uh but uh they are just kind of an enigma. Um, I don't really know what to make of them. Um, so only time will tell if they can uh, get back to their uh, consistent ways. Um, again, we talk about consistency. Moving on to Palmeiras and Barcelona of Ecuador, despite going down two goals early, four goals in a row in the second half. Of course, Gustavo Gomez, center back goal, we're legally obligated to bring that up. Um, Artur and Andriki as well, and, and, and Piquerez, uh, all getting uh, a goal to, to ensure that Palmeiras joint top with Bolivar, uh, 12 points, and Barcelona only three. Um, surprising, in my opinion, that Barcelona aren't with uh, Palmeiras going through, but uh, it does look like uh, Palmeiras and Bolivar will be going through. So, um, not sure if you have any thoughts on this. I mean, just another convincing and comprehensive Palmeiras win. Um, Flamengo 2-1 over Racing. Um, Victor Hugo chipping in an 83rd minute goal 2-1 uh, before um, uh, before the end of the game, making sure that they get the win. Uh, Matias Rojas links to Botafogo, I believe. Uh, Pete talked to us about uh, him uh, from Glorious Botafogo uh, chipping in, getting the Racing goal, but Racing and Flamengo both in good spots to progress. Um, Anything, uh, anything uh, that you want to contribute there uh, before we get on to Sudamericana? 
Not too many thoughts about this game other than uh, the fact that Flamengo, if they didn't win here, they would have put themselves in a very difficult spot needing to uh, get a winning result, I believe, against Aucas or Nublense in the last round. So, yeah, the the goal by Victor Hugo is really important. Also, we have to mention the goal by Westy. I think it's his first professional goal as a Flamengo player. And good to see uh, Sao Paulo make uh, these changes. Uh, he brought in uh, Mateus Cunha, the new uh, the keeper, who's, I think, 22 or 23 years old. And he's been playing the last three or four games now for Flamengo and also these youngsters coming into the match and performing for Flamengo, which is really nice to see other than, let's say, bringing on big players like Vidal and all these guys that have been now in the football for a long time. So Flamengo trying something new and finally working out. But uh, Group H, uh, Fortaleza loses 1-0 against the Venezuelans. And they're still qualified. Uh, it's their first loss in the Campeonato Sudamericana, but they're pretty much qualified and they're going to be heading into the last round of matches without a necess- necessity to either win or draw. Uh, America Minera, surprising, gets a 2-0 victory against Misionarios from uh, Colombia, which um, now sees them only three points away from the Colombians. So heading into the last round of matches, they're going to be looking forward to get a win and Millonarios uh, probably lose so that the America can advance. But then we go to the Group E, uh, Santos playing Newell. Santos hasn't lost a game at home since uh, November 18th, I believe it was the last round of uh, Campeonato Brasileiro against Fortaleza. And I thought that we were going to continue that run, especially after that performance against Inter. But uh, this was not the case. Uh, what happened here, Peter? Just another disappointing result here uh, between, um, uh, you know, between Brasileiro match days, Santos looking not great. Only goal came as a pen. Marcus Leonardo did score it, so that's good to see that he was back for this game. But really disappointing. I think we needed this this uh, some sort of point um, and Audax to to drop. Neither happened, um, and we are officially eliminated from Copa Sudamericana. Horrific campaign, if you ask me. Three losses in a row, uh, unacceptable. Um, and it's, it's just really disappointing. I guess the, the lone saver here is that it was, it did take a last minute goal, uh, for Newell's to finally see Santos off, uh, Portillo, uh, getting the goal for, for Newell's old boys, but, uh, just extremely disappointing, not good enough and not what you'd expect. Uh, it is great to see these historic clubs, uh, clashing, um, and in such a historic venue like Villa Belmiro as well. But I mean, just, just, just so disappointing. And, and this may help us in the rest of the round, but, uh, but all you can do is just kind of shake your head at this result and, and, uh, wonder, you know, what it's going to take for us to be successful in a cup competition. Um, I think we could have progressed. We should have progressed. And um, we just didn't, not good enough. So um, this uh, this asks more questions than it answers for sure. 
Yeah, and another loss here means that, as you said, we're out of the tournament. And goes back to the interview we had with our Thomas Freitas. Mm. He wasn't a fan of Santos playing in all these competitions. And now there you go. They're now out of Copa do Brasil. They're out of Copa Libertadores. And maybe it's going to be, or Copa Sudamericana, it's probably going to be the, their time to focus on the Campeonato Brasileira, which we haven't really been promising uh, in the last couple of seasons. So hopefully... Uh, we can come back and get wins there. Uh, I know we predicted Santos to finish either 12th or 13th, but if they can get on that top 10 side of the table, I would be very, very happy with the performance this year. But other than Santos, the team that has been promising uh, in both the Campeonato Brasileiro and the Continental Cup, uh, Botafogo, drawing 0-0 against uh, Liga de Quito. I think our players... Uh, they play for Santos. I forget his name, Juan, Juan, or something like that. Uh, that plays for LDU. Um, he had some chances, but was not able to score against Botafogo. Uh, Botafogo mainly playing uh, very defensive. There was an incredible save by Lucas Perry at the end uh, to keep the clean sheet for his home side. And a result that sees Botafogo tied with points, nine uh, again with the Ecuadorians, and they're now qualified for the round of 16. Uh, in the Group C, Robert Bragancino uh, ties 1-1 away from home against Estudiantes. They're also qualified, and up to maybe the 64th minute, uh, everything was going good for Robert Bragancino. Uh, Junior Capixaba makes a foul and forces a free kick uh, for Estudiantes, and he receives a yellow card. Estudiantes later uh, hit that free kick, and there was another handball. Again, Junior Capixaba picks up his second. A red card means that Estudiantes will shoot a penalty kick, and they equalize. So that's the end of the story there. Um, Guayas uh, ties 0-0 with Gimnasia La Plata. Uh, Guayas, uh, maybe a win here at home, would have sent them through to the next stage. But still, they're now two points away from both Universitario and Independiente. So they're pretty much qualified. Yeah, it's a really strange group, in my opinion. Guayas, Universitario, Peru, uh, Independiente, um, and Gimnasia de La Plata. Um how are Goyas top here? I, I really don't understand it. Uh, I know these teams sometimes uh, from other countries um, look better in their leagues than uh, than against Brazilian teams, but this is just a, a strange one. Uh, maybe I'm overrating some of these other leagues and these teams. Uh, you know, I don't know their current forms and everything, but um, and obviously the, the travel is immense. Um, squad size plays into effect, but. Uh, yeah, I just I'm very surprised to see Goyas uh number one in anything. Yeah, this will probably be the ideal spot for Santos to be in, but it just explains to you um if a team doesn't lose, then they have pretty good chances of advancing. And that's what we see from Goyas. Three draws, uh two wins, and sees them first now in the table. So pretty good for them. I'm happy to see a Brazilian uh advance to the next stage. Paulo demolishes Deportes to Lima. I was watching this game, Peter, and what an incredible game. Goals coming, I think, in the space of 11 minutes. Three goals scored in the first half by Sao Paulo. Uh, goals coming from Caleri, Luciano, two from Caio Paulista, and another goal from David in the 77th. I think the red card uh, 
or the the Colombians helped uh, the Brazilians a lot when it comes to scoring opportunities. But now Sao Paulo is qualified for the next round. Uh, they're sitting with 13 points, uh, three ahead of Tigre. I think, was it Tigre who they won Copa Libertadores or Sudamericana back then? Uh, no. I, in the final? No? Uh, I don't think so. I thought, okay, T- yeah. Maybe the Mexican club Tigres, but not, not Argentine Tigre. I don't think so. Okay. Well, either way, uh, they're qualified for the next round, and we're going to be happy to see Dorival Jr.'s side advance, and let's see how they perform in the Copa Sudamericana, if they are able to win it, uh, compared to what they did last year, losing in the final against uh, the Ecuadorians. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have to see, and uh, the groups here are... Um mostly decided but still that sixth match day will um will be the uh make or break point for some of these groups um all right we had the Copa de brazil draw as well corinthians uh will face america gremio versus bahia uh palmeiras and sao paulo and flamengo versus atletico uh paranaense that one looks to be uh one of the tastiest draws um palmeiras and sao paulo as well uh, so some good matches there to look forward to, but Enric, in uh, in a few moments here, Brasil are out. A week ten will be kicking off. Um, some interesting matches. I don't think there are as many great ones this week, but like you said, when you look at these teams, especially after watching Paulista, Copinha, all these things, all these matches are always big. And when the table is scrunched together the way it is, you always need points um so it'll be really interesting to see how some of these matches go uh but i think probably the the uh, seminal fixture and the preview of the copa de brazil match uh will be uh sao paulo versus palmeiras um uh but also you got flamengo and gremio and you've got a uh under siege vasco uh facing internacional who are also underperforming in uh porto alegre so uh, that one should be pretty interesting. Um, and some teams that are in need of wins facing teams from lower down the table, Santos against Coritiba, winless Coritiba. Uh, Cuiaba uh, will face Corinthians. Um, so opportunities to get points there um, uh, from those teams. Um, and we'll, we'll have to see. But uh, any thoughts on the Match Week 10 fixtures before we wrap it up? Well, I agree with your opinion. I think the three games that you mentioned, uh, which will uh, be played tomorrow, are going to be big games. And other than that, Santos kicking off very soon, 20 minutes from now. Hopefully, maybe a win is not something that we should expect when we're playing, when playing again away from home. But even if we get a draw, I'd be more than happy with Santos, uh, although Koichiba is really bad uh, at this moment. So... Either way, it's going to be a nice uh, set of matches, and tomorrow will be a big one, as you said, uh, for the uh, Sao Paulo Palmeiras Derby. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just want to say, for me, Santos need a win against Corchiba. I don't care if it's alone. Corchiba have zero wins. Absolutely cannot uh, afford to drop any points against them. Enric, that was a great episode, but we have to leave. Uh, everyone with a quick prediction it is of course the champions league final day inter and man city are squaring off we've talked about this off camera uh but let's record this so you can uh either um pat yourself on the back and 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 prove you're right 
or we can laugh about our horrific predictions. But uh, Champions League final, uh, what's your score prediction? I'm saying uh, City to win either 3 or 4 nil. I think City is uh, a much better team. But now looking at, uh, given that this is a final, anything can happen. And Inter can also score a goal here, which is very luck- likely to happen. But... Uh, I really hope City can win their first uh, UCL after so long, especially after Guardiola choked uh, the final two years ago against Chelsea. Now it's his chance to play an even easier opponent. Uh, Not easier, but a team that hasn't been performing much in the last decade in the European football. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I would go 3-1 or 4-1. But just to lock it in, I'll I'll say, uh, did you say 3-0 or 3-1? Three no, okay. I'll go three one. I'll go three one. I think uh, Inter get a goal, but yeah, I think you're right. And I think the only possibility, if Inter win, uh, it's going to be off the back of a, a Pep overthink, a classic Pep overthink. So we'll see if he learned his lesson uh, from the final against Chelsea all those years ago. All right, everyone, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we will see you again soon enough. Have a great night.